0: compliment of um Baritex Bank. Our next episode, is speaking about COVID-19 and the pandemic that hit our world and had lots of different effects on different ways we do business. Very excited to have some guests with me today that were critical uh, in leading us through this crisis. And even though we may still be in it, they've been a big force of for that. And the first one I'll be speaking with is our CEO, Malcolm Holland. Malcolm actually started the bank ten years ago. We'll be celebrating our 10-year anniversary, and today we will be speaking with him a little bit about PPP leadership and what he saw people do when they had to do a job they hadn't done before. So I'm so excited to have conversations with him as well as Angela Harper, Melanie Goodman, and Courtney Taylor. So those will be my guests today. Thank you so much. Well, welcome everyone. Thank you Today I have the utmost privilege to have Malcolm Holland in the studio with us, and we're going to be speaking with Malcolm about some uh, interesting events that have happened in the past few weeks, Uh, mainly talking around the pandemic that started around March 15th in Texas when it came full board, and just want to get his insights on how his team reacted, how his service industry reacted to this, and talk to him a little bit about next steps. So welcome, Malcolm. So happy to have you join us. Thank you. So tell me, um, the pandemic started in, of course, the United States a little earlier, but really hit Texas mid-March, and it seemed like it happened really quickly. Tell me how you think your team reacted to being thrust in the middle of something they had never seen before.
1: Well, these are certainly unprecedented times for all of us, nobody living today, actually had ever seen anything like this before. You know, we saw it coming from a distance from China and hit the East Coast. And like you said, quickly it was upon us Mm -hmm. and it came really fast. In fact, I was in New York first week in March, meeting with investors and got back. And the next week is when uh, this thing kind of hit. And so we had to quickly um, get our team together and figure out what next steps were. And the, the first thing that we did was I wanted to do our part as not only being part of the community, but for our employees, was to give everybody a chance to take a real deep breath. Because at the time, if you recall, people didn't know anything. We didn't know businesses were gonna be closed. We didn't know if we're gonna get out of our houses. We didn't know what the government was gonna allow us to do. And so I wanted to to give everybody some sense of security. And so if you recall, we said, all right, here's, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put a six week plan together and that plan entailed uh, making sure everybody knew that whether they could come into the office or not come into the office, that they were gonna get paid. I remember. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be sure that everybody knew that they were gonna be able to buy food and pay rent and get groceries and buy gas for their car. And so that was the, the first thing we did. Right. Uh, and then our team you know, assembled around, I don't even know what the name of our team was, the COVID remember team. remember the right?
0: critical task force the team. The
1: critical task force team, that's what it was. Exactly. And so we started meeting and we met Every week. And then I also had a a weekly meeting with the board of directors on Mondays at five o'clock because I felt like they needed to know what we were doing. Everything was so fluid, whether it was closing branches, and we had, if you remember, we had a case in Fort Worth and we had to close the Davis branch to What kind of clients um, needed to get in for accounts or how are we going to get wires out? So it was really fluid. So we needed to meet often and I felt like the board needed to be uh, informed as well.
0: Good. I I do remember those days. It's interesting you speak about that because I think one of the first things that uh, met with the most reaction, positive reaction, and quite frankly, a sense of relief was when you announced you didn't want anyone worried about... Working or being laid off when things were happening, that you wanted to have a six week plan. And in order to do that, no matter what happened with schools closing quickly with children or caring for elderly, uh, you made that announcement. So thank you for doing that. I think that really did lead the way into the uh, the bank being able to make good decisions along the way and gave us some time to breathe and really collect our thoughts. I want to talk a little bit about the shelter in place orders that came around and some of the things that we did while people were at home and talking about knowing that people will come back to work at some point just the things that were put in place and how you felt about, you know, the social interactions and the social distancing and how we best protected our employees. So can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah.
1: Okay. So, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, we're, we're about making sure that our, our folks were protected. So we needed to be sure that we followed the CDC guidelines to the best of our abilities. And that meant from a cleanliness standpoint, uh, we need to keep our offices clean from a social distancing standpoint. We need to be sure we adhere to the guidelines that they put forth. And if you remember, they, these things changed. And so you know, one week it was it was one thing and the next week it was something else. And so again, I go back to being fluid. Nobody have seen this, that uh, we had to be fairly reactionary. Uh, but first and foremost was taking care of the folks that work here. And then secondarily, making sure that we were a place where clients could feel safe and still continue to do their business here.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the things that uh, I saw us lead well in is the procurement of supplies. Uh, we were trying to get them from all sources, gloves, masks, wipes, everything we could do, but also just making sure that our employees could work at home, the deployment of laptops, getting people to able to work home uh, when when they could with rotation schedules really taking into mind our employee safety. So I'd love to see us have that plan in place at all times and really be able to build on it. But I think the biggest thing that we kept the forefront was employees first, clients first. I think that served us well.
1: Yeah, we, and we did a really good job at keeping, I think at one point we had about 50% of our folks at home VPN mm-hmm. in, getting the, getting the job done. We just completed a, our new business continuity plan in the first quarter. Right. And so here it comes mid-March and we get good the timing. chance to enact our new plan. And it worked. We were short. Oh, I'm going to guess, but 50 or 60 mm-hmm. or so um, laptops. We got those ordered. They, they were in. We got the right laptops in the right people's hands so they could do work at home. And then I, I think, correct me if
0: I'm wrong, but didn't we have a client in Fort Worth that made a whole bunch of masks for us? Right, right. And when we couldn't find masks, we tried to order them and they came by just to give our staff some and said, hey, I'll make your whole team some. So they made us 700 masks in three days. Um, and whether they're right ones or not, they release the mask. Right, right. And during that time, Malcolm, one of the things that was rolling out during this whole experience was the SBA PPP program. So how did that, on top of what we were dealing with, this program, how did that impact our teams and how did they react to that? That, that was probably
1: one of the greatest efforts that I've seen uh, in some time of our team. And listen, again, we go back to we didn't know what the PPV plan was going to be, how it was going to work. We just knew it was there. The government tried to put a bunch of money out, $350 billion in its first wave, and they gave you very little guidance and very few rules. and We had to put a team together. A couple of things that came out of that, we had 110, I believe, people from all areas of the bank uh, that jumped in there. Mm-hmm. A couple of anecdotal stories. I know we had, we have a guy that used to be in the loan department, and he raised his hand and said, I used to do uh, loan doc. All right. Give me a terminal. Yep. And he started pounding out loan documents. We had Delta task four teams that were developed and people <laughs> worked, I mean, 16 and 17 hour days. But for everybody to come around. That PPP program was was really really cool to see as a leader. I got in on a couple of meetings and listened in, and it was it was really good. I can say that we took care of 100% of the applications. That's awesome. Um, nobody got turned away unless they didn't qualify, and the SBA wouldn't wouldn't give it to them. But. Right. We fulfilled our our end of that bargain, so that was a, a nice program. The other thing we found was in the early days. You know, we've been working on some technology to simplify how we collect loan documents and right. loan information from clients, mm-hmm. and we've been working five, six, seven months on it. Right. We developed a, a PPP portal in forty eight hours. Amazing. So. When the chips were down, the lesson learned there is maybe
0: it shouldn't take five or six or seven months, uh, but when the chips are down, our folks delivered. That's so true. It's interesting you say that because, you know, they're talking about a a vaccination perhaps within the, the end of the year or first of the year, and our pastors say it takes 10 years to get vaccination, so hopefully. I'm hoping by the end of the year. Me too. So you talked a little bit about that. One of the things I just want to ask you about is I know you helped make some decisions on giving back to our communities. Communities in our name, it's who we are, it's how we run our company. So talk to me a little bit about how we gave back to our communities that we
1: serve. So the the PPP program, the way we got paid for that is through fees and through a very small interest rate. And actually the interest was nominal. So you really couldn't make any money on it. So we had a little bit of a fee income that was created and, and we sat around as an executive team and thought, all right, we're part of the community we see the community hurting in a few areas where can we make the most impact where can we make that and provide some influence to the communities that we actually serve every day and so <laughs> it decided and you were in on that conversation right. that we were going to take care of food needs of the underprivileged, if you will, and also take care of and contribute to uh, shelters for uh, battered women and children. Unfortunately, during these times when people are sheltered in place, that thing gets more active. And so, so we divided it up into, I don't know, eight or 10 different places that either served food, gave away food, or took care of the battered women and children in both Dallas-Fort Worth and in Houston. Yeah, I thought
0: that was, um, was amazing to be a part of that. and I think some of the back we've gotten. It's never enough, but thank you so much for allowing us to do that.
1: Hope Farm's a leadership program for fatherless boys. With campuses in the Morningside and Como neighborhoods of Fort Worth and a new campus in South Dallas, Hope Farm's dedicated to guiding at-risk boys to become Christ-centered men of integrity. Over the past 30 years, we've helped countless boys, mothers, and their families. Find out more at www.hopefarmfw.org.
0: Okay, so welcome back. I'm here with Malcolm Collins who is the CEO of Veritex Bank. And we were just having a conversation about some things that are going on with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the PPP program and all in a very shortened amount of time. And I'm really interested in his perspective of just watching leaders lead, how they lead during good times or what's regular is one thing. But during a crisis or an influx of something they hadn't seen before, just I'd love to get your perspective on what that looked like to you. Yeah, I mean, this is
1: obviously an opportunity for good leaders to step up and and lead. There's not a lot of time to sit around and analyze, overthink things. Mm-hmm, right. We have to react quickly. We did that by setting up our our crisis management committee quickly. We identified three or four people in that committee that mm-hmm. could that could uh, lead us, uh, if you will. And we broke the bank down into probably 12 or 13 different sections. You know, I saw some people on the PPP side were holding every two and three mm-hmm. hour conference calls. Mm-hmm. Um, they were checking in. There was an organizational chart that had a communication channel on it. That was, I mean, it was it, it was a little bit of a... Well, actually, it was crisis management. Right. I mean, we were in a, right. a, a crisis. And so we saw some people step up. Some people get better right. in crisis. Mm-hmm. Some people don't. Right. And um, it doesn't make them bad people. It just they just do different skills sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Things are calmer. They're better. But I saw some folks step up. It's good to know that when you have a crisis at hand, you got some folks willing to get in there and get dirty. And so decisions need to be made. And listen, I understand they're not all going to be right. Mm -hmm. But you got to have some conviction about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then you just got to go do it.
0: Right. I think that's one of the things that the people who have worked at the bank and and follow your leadership is that. It's not always perfect. Leadership's not perfect, but you have to be willing to step up and make some decisions. And if it's the wrong one, you see it's the wrong one, be able to be nimble enough to say, hey, we're going the wrong direction, let's change. And that's what good leaders do, I think, as well. So thank you for letting us have that opportunity. It's been great spending a few minutes with you and talking about some of the things that have happened recently that are out of our normal way of doing business, but that's part of what makes a great company great, in my opinion. So we're gonna talk a little bit more with Angela Harper, who led the crisis management team today as well, and is on our executive management team. So thank you, Malcolm, for joining us. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. So excited to have Angela Harper join me today. Angela is the chief risk officer at Veritex Community Bank. Angela brings with her a wealth of knowledge of different aspects of what she does every day, and I'm not sure I could do her job, and I'm not sure anybody would want me to do her job, but... One of the things that Angela is really good at is leading people through difficult times. And she was tapped earlier by Malcolm Hall to lead the critical task force through the pandemic. And so I'm so excited to have some conversation with her today and get her perspective on, you know, really what happened with the pandemic. So Angela, welcome to my show. I appreciate it. Thanks. Angela and I worked together for a long time, so we know each other really well. So we're just going to talk a little bit about what happened. One of the things that I saw, Angela, during this time, I think the pandemic, we were talking about earlier really hit texas around spring break time it was around the mid-march right yes. we look back it seems like it's forever ago but it really hadn't been right. and the pandemic's still going on so what i wanted to just talk to you about is you know what were some of the first impressions from you when you saw from the media and from the cdc and the who organization whatever what was really happening what what were the impressions that you got from all the media around it
2: well you know first i want to say i think it's kind of interesting that we were in the middle of a business continuity exercise yes we when were the pandemic hit and, and we kind of laughed because as a bank we're required to have a pandemic plan right uh and do pandemic testing mm-hmm. and so one of the things that that it was actually in January, I called one of my coworkers and I said, hey, you know, I see this thing going on in China and, you know, maybe it's time for us to do a pandemic test. Uh, well, lo and behold, about a month and a half later, you know, we're in the middle of it. So uh, it was really interesting that, you know, kind of seeing things unfold and trying to think through, oh, how do we handle this mm-hmm. as a bank? Mm-hmm. You know, How do we handle this as an organization? Right. So right. I think that was a real challenge was just things that we had talked about and planned for before
0: right now we got to do it now right, right? yeah and you yeah. want to make sure that what we had planned fits real life exactly. what was happening around us exactly. right exactly I'm not sure that it did
2: mm-hmm. honestly yeah you know uh I, I'm using an overused phrase but I think we were you know building the plane as we flew it right, right. yeah yeah <laughs> so. yeah
0: yeah I think that's exactly what happened. And one of the things that uh, I saw from my perspective, even though I was a, a part of the critical task force, is just really looking at how we came together as a group, but how our plan came together. And listen, plans are important, right? But they're fluid and they have to change. So, one of the things that I was really impressed with that we did well and it was because of the planning, is that we had a basis to go on. How did you feel about when you had to develop and make it grow, and some of the things that you saw, what what gave you pause of, I'm prepared for this because I want to make sure I do this right, or I didn't consider this when I was planning?
2: Was there anything that came to mind? Well, you know what? what came to mind first was we've got to make decisions and we've got to make them quickly right we've got to make the right decisions yes you know you can plan and plan all day long but when you have to actually execute the thing that went through my brain was okay how do I do this effectively mm-hmm. um, and how do I make sure that I'm not missing anything and so what I think was really important and what I think we did really well right right collaborate right and communicate mm-hmm. lots of that you know you need to get stakeholders involved from all aspects of the company mm-hmm. so that you make sure you know number one that you're taking care of your employees right first and foremost, first and foremost yeah um, but also that you can get business done right because business doesn't stop right people still have to move money. Right. 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 And we're an essential business. Right. So we had to make sure that we had all the tools and the ability to get people working, whether that be remotely or whether it be in the office. And if they're in the office, you got to do it safely. Right. Right. right.
0: Totally. Totally agree. I think that's interesting. You said it because if they're in the office or out of the office, and one of the things I think you you implemented and, and did well was how do we deploy assets? How do we deploy our people? and the tools they need to work from home if needed during this time. So tell me a little bit how that worked and what do you think went well there? Well, first of all, I had IT on speed dial. And
2: they were great. (laughs) And they were wonderful. We did, fortunately, uh, better to be lucky than good, or good than, lucky than good, right? Right. I've heard that. Uh, We we had a supply of laptops that our IT staff worked very quickly to get those resources and assets ready to go so that we could get people sent home that could work at home. And, and do it, and we did it in about a two-week period, mm-hmm. which I think was important. Now there were snags along the way, sure. and you and I worked together. Yeah. you
0: know, yeah, pretty closely. Right. With our
2: list of okay, who gets a laptop? Exactly. How, how do you assign it, and how do we determine who is
0: who needs to have it first? Mm-hmm. You know, so that we get the business flowing. Right. I think one of the things that uh, was interesting to me is to watch you in action about you know how you approached leading this effort. Um, I think it's a different effort than a you know, a long plan that you can look at. This was a little quicker. And um, just tell me how you're, you know, you talked a little bit about collaboration, which I think is important. Mm -hmm. I think that's one aspect of it. But how did you personally look at this and from a leader's perspective, how to get this task done? I mean, what kept you up at night? And what do you think, okay, if we do this well, we're gonna be okay?
2: Well, I'm a very organized person, Yes, you are. Right. The way I approached it was how do we organize this to make sure that it's effective? My thought process was let's put together teams. Right. So we came up with a strategic team yes. and a tactical team. And the tactical team had people that were on the ground doing the work. Right. What I tried to do was organize that group and then determine, you know, what do they need to be what do we need to be paying attention to? Right. And so we came up with a pandemic report. Right. That we did on a weekly basis where we evaluated where are we at from a staffing standpoint. Yeah, very important. Uh, how are our vendors working? Mm-hmm. You know, do our vendors have pandemic right. plans? And what happens if we lose a vendor because we do rely on vendors? Right. You know, what critical processes are not getting done? Okay. And what can we do to fix that? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what kind of support do you guys need? Every week we ask the group, what do you need? Do you have additional needs? Are we meeting your needs? Right. So I think that that was critical. And then, so that's your tactical aspect of it. And then the executive team needed to guide right uh, and lead. And I think the importance of the executive team was not so much the day-to-day, mm-hmm. it was the support. Right. You know, right. like you and I talked right. about, we encouraged Malcolm, hey, you know, we need to have some meetings. We need to have some town hall meetings and yeah. make sure people feel like we're listening to them right. and that we're trying to take a step to help them and to make their life easier Mm -hmm. during this really unusual
0: time. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I think that's one of the things, listen, did we mess something up? Like Malcolm always says, count on it, right? Count on it. But I do think the listening was part of really trying to hear what our employees were saying to us because, you know, it wasn't just the pandemic. It was schools closing. So people who hadn't had issues with childcare before all of a sudden had childcare issues and you, you had to teach your kids, right? Or they cared for elderly that were the most susceptible to this disease. And so they were worried about that. But then then you have enough staff to do what you need to do when you're doing all this. So it really was a dynamic ebb and flow to some degree right. of what was happening. Uh, yeah. And I think we, you know, we as bankers,
2: we're not known as <laughs> in the
0: world. But we got there. But we got
2: there. I mean, I think we had to learn how to be flexible. We had to learn how to, like you said, we had a lot of folks that were having to teach their kids during the day, but still get work done. And how do you
0: work with your staff? Right. To, to to be flexible so that they can do that care for their kids and care for what we have to do also. Yeah. And I, I I love that. I, like I said, did we mess something up sometimes? Probably Mm -hmm. count on it, but I know our heart was in the right place. I felt like our heart was the right place to get the right job done. And that, and I'm I'm very thankful that we were able to do that. I do want to talk to you just a little bit. It's interesting. I asked Malcolm this question. So I'm going to talk to him about a little bit watching other leaders lead Mm -hmm. and how, others that led during this and I, I mean i i was witness i witnessed several people really step up you know and really say hey i'm going to take care of this you know rudy Beaching and his crew from retail billy smith but i also saw people like you know melanie and courtney and you know our marketing team with patty and livy holly there's so many people yeah. jeff and john i mean just people to step in and go oh, what yeah. can i do exactly so tell me from your perspective why you think that happened why do you think we were able and I wanna say we like we did something, but how do you think why do you think those people just stepped up? What what's that thing they have?
2: They have the Veritex culture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great, I, mean, I love that. I know I, I really think that, you know, you know, be mindful. Be
2: mindful comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a lot of examples as well. Um, I wanna point out two people in particular. Greg uh-huh. Smith. Yep. Who uh, you know, is institutional services manager. Well he called up the loan ops department and said, Hey, I know it's been a long time, but I know how to do laser pro. Yeah so i'll do documents for you and yeah. so he did documents for the ppp that's awesome and i just you know i think wow that was really cool and another donald Pershbach. oh yeah he would come to meetings prepared with quotes and motivational you know yeah. excerpts from people to try to motivate us right and i actually stole his some of his ideas i love be that because <laughs> i had a weekly team meeting just with my team and i would you know, try to bring something to each meeting to motivate my folks oh, to that's go, great. Hey, you know, we care about you and you know, we, we want you to feel like we're there for you. So
0: that's awesome. You. Yeah, I, I was really proud of that also. And I, I know you are a big part of leading that whole program. Um, one of the things that we did was we were able to find some money to give back to our community, mm-hmm. communities in our name. Mm-hmm. And I know we had uh, several conversations as an executive team. How do we disperse the funds? Because no one has to tell us to do it. We went out and asked people and then we took their feedback and tried to make some decisions. So tell us a little bit about that process and why you're proud of what you know of how we gave the money and what we did. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, we yeah. gave over four hundred
2: thousand dollars right uh, in donations for COVID related. What we did is we got with our people, our community development people, and right. we said, Hey. Who are out in the community all the time. Yeah. You know, Courtney Taylor and Melanie Goodman who right. are in the community every day, and and we said, Hey. Go out there and go to your contacts mm-hmm. and find out what what are the needs. Right. What are the needs? And clearly, food was a need. Right. Uh, and so about half of what we did was to local food banks. But mm-hmm. another thing that we noticed, unfortunately, is domestic abuse right. is up or has been up during this time. And we already had relationships with those groups. Right. And so we reached out to them. And and, and another big portion of that went to those groups. Right. And it, if it wasn't for Courtney and Melanie, you know, knowing who needed the help, right? we really wouldn't have been able to make the right decision as to where to yeah. best deploy the
0: money No, I totally agree though. with you. Totally agree with you. I think that's one of the things that was interesting when we were making some of these decisions that everyone needs food mm-hmm. and everyone needs a safe place to call right. home. And so you have to kind of do that that way. So I was, I'm really proud of mm-hmm. that so and uh, makes me feel really good that we can do it. But you know, it's one of those things that we always have done it. We just did, we made it more an extra effort in those areas mm-hmm. with this, uh, the PPP program allowed us to do a little bit yeah. more with it, but I'm really proud of that as a, as a bank.
2: Well, you know, And what was even more so impressive to me was who that idea came from. Yeah. You know, cause yeah. that idea came from yeah. Malcolm. Yeah. You know, it's, hey, no, we, gotta, we, yeah. we need to give back yeah. because, you know, we're, we're lucky. Yeah, we're very lucky. Yeah, we're, 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 we're fortunate and we're blessed. And let's let's pass that on to some right.
0: folks that are not. Right. No, frankly. I totally agree with you. We're going to come right back in just a couple of minutes and have some more conversation with Angela. So excited to have her on the show. So give us just a few minutes and we'll be right back. Texans Can Academy's mission is to provide the highest quality education for all students, especially those who have struggled in a traditional high school setting in order to ensure their economic independence. To learn more about how you can make a difference in the lives of local youth, visit www.texanscan.org. Welcome back, I'm so excited to have Angela here again. Angela, I've been speaking a lot about her leadership during our COVID-19 task force and all the things that she put into place and the team that she built around her and gathered around her to help lead this force. Angela has a unique ability to organize business and make sure that the plan doesn't override what the real meaning is. And so that's one of the things that we're going to talk a little bit more about because it's something that's near and dear to all of our hearts at Veritex is, you know, what did we do well? And what did we learn about this? And, you know, listen, again, we've said a couple of times, we didn't do everything perfect, right, Ange? That's right. But... We did do things that we knew that were very fluid and fat. and today they're still changing, right? Yes. You know, you don't know if you're supposed to wear a mask or not wear a mask or whatever you're supposed exactly. to do. So what are the things that you really saw that happened to you, your teams you work with, the people that work around you, clients, what did you see during this crisis that's not over, but we're working our way through?
2: You know, I think the biggest thing I saw was we're very resourceful. Yep. Yep. We are, and and we were able to be very nimble, yeah. and make decisions quickly. That's amazing! It is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, such a, and we're. I consider us a pretty large organization right. now. We've got six hundred and fifty. Right, six hundred fifty employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, And and we had a lot of situations coming at us from a lot of different angles, and we were very quick to react, whether that be someone who needed to go home because they thought they might be sick, right? uh, whether we had someone who was worried about coming into work. right? We worked with each of those individual situations
0: in a creative way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and in a really collaborative way of Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that we listened to the individual, but we had to do things as well as saying, how do we do this as a company? Take an Needs in place, but still running our yeah. company. And
2: how do we do it consistently? Right. You know, right. how do you make sure that accommodations that are afforded to one individual is also afforded to another exactly. individual, but yet there's different situations. Exactly. And so I think that was a challenge, mm-hmm. uh, but something we did well.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think one of the things that I saw is really that spirit can speak to several situations that people that were in branches that would cover for someone who had child care issues and they'd say, oh, I'll work extra so you can be home or whatever. And just the in the rotation of mm-hmm. time, so people could spend three to four hours at home right. with their child teaching, right. and then coming into work. So I thought the cre- I, I was really impressed with our creativity. Mm-hmm. We're bankers; we're not always yeah. known for our creativity. Right. But- <laughs> well, you are. But I thought that was a very interesting uh, perspective. Listening to others what they thought was done, I thought we uh, really enhanced our listening skill set a little more. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really impressed with that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah. agree with yeah. that. So one of the things, Angela, that we're going to end with is you're a a woman in leadership and you um, are on the executive management team at Veritech. So tell me a little bit about what you see from a leadership perspective as a woman and how you lead your teams today that can help other women grow. What do women need to see in leadership from everyone, but in women from a specific perspective? Wow, that's a that's a big question. I love a big question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, number one, be confident in your ability. Right. We know what we're doing. Right. Right. We're women and we're, we're, we're in leadership positions for a reason. Mm-hmm. But I think be confident, but at the same time, be empathetic. Right. You know, listen to what other people have to say. Right. Uh, And and don't get too full of yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 We're all here working together and you and I have this conversation all the time. (laughs) Yes, we do. We all have skills that we bring to the table Mm -hmm. and you need to recognize, as a leader, I try to recognize, you know, my strengths and my weaknesses, but also in my team, whether it be my immediate peers Mm -hmm. or whether it be the folks that work for me. Right. You know, I think if you do that and you keep your eyes open, Mm -hmm. listen, that that's the most effective way to be a leader. Perfect.
0: I couldn't have said it any better and I won't. That was good. Well, thank you for joining us, Angela. I really appreciate you spending the afternoon with me. I could talk all day about this, but uh, we're going to end it on this subject matter. And we'll look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to have two of our community officers with us today. I please welcome Courtney Taylor from Houston and Melanie Goodman from the Dallas-Fort Worth Market. So happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, LaVonda. So happy to be here with you. Yes, thank you. Well, listen, I know you guys have been really busy these last few weeks and probably over this last year. Um, I think the COVID-19 pandemic has really taken all of us a little bit by surprise. None of us have seen this before. I, I I told someone the other day, I've been in banking 40 years and I've never worked through a pandemic before. So, this is my first go around, and I would imagine both of yours as well. So, some of you do what throughout your days is talk about how we can be better as a bank and how we as volunteers can help our communities and what you're doing. And so, I wanted to just talk to both of you about what are you seeing in the communities as part of the biggest need and the biggest change since the pandemic has happened. What, what are the changes you're seeing from your partners that you support? Courtney? Wow.
3: Well, <laughs> um, We know that this, like you said, is it took us by surprise. And normally down here in Houston, we're used to dealing with hurricanes or flooding, nothing like pandemic. I have seen our partners really rally together and change a lot of their strategies as far as what they're doing. And so, of course, one of the biggest needs right now is food, shelter, things for rental assistance and utility help. And many uh, community organizations here have really stepped up and, and changed a lot of their services to make sure that the folks in Houston are getting the things that they need. One of the huge things that we have seen, not only just here in Houston, but across the state and really across the country, is our educational system and what will happen with the pandemic and, you know, technology uh, or access yep. to technology. Uh, we've seen some different uh, strategies and some different efforts that are taking place around on that as well right now.
0: Great. Right. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, it's interesting you say that because we're talking about that as a company as well mm-hmm. for those who have school-age children who may have not had to do this before and teach their children. That is a, a big difference besides food and shelter. Melanie, what are you seeing? Anything different that you're seeing in, in the DFW market when your outreach is happening, what your partners are going through that's different than what you may have had to deal with in the past?
4: Yeah, it's, it's real close to the same thing that you're seeing in Houston, the education the shelters are full nightly shelters are turning you know at the stay at home everything came pretty much to just a gridlock right. so any volunteering that we were doing stopped particularly like for the wilkinson center we may look at taking that virtually in the fall but the shelters that were normally just putting people up for the night were finding themselves having to house 24 7 and feed oh, yeah. And then all of the food banks, you know, most of the people going through those food banks had never even used a food bank. And of course, it was stressing the grocery stores. I mean, even to try to find supplies for those that we partner with was very difficult. It was almost like we just needed to provide them the funds to be able to go and outsource it somewhere else because we were not even able to really help, you know, locally. Crisis centers, um, while there was a decrease in the actual calls coming in for abuse the centers were um, trying to figure out different ways to still be able to respond to abusive situations yeah so pretty much pretty much the same thing behind every door um, because of our situation right now in the summer we usually do a backpack event right because of the social Mm -hmm. distancing we're not able to do that so we're going to provide the money for the supplies and then they'll you know they'll just have their own kind of event and get the supplies to the kids and again education is been really difficult and it's still in the spotlight because not everybody has figured that out. And yeah. so particularly in the Dallas area, we were able to provide hotspots in the you know to some of the partners to provide, you know, DISD students with an opportunity to continue at home. So yeah.
0: I think that's interesting you say that because I think one of the dynamic things that's changed around this is that, you know, because where we work and what we do, we may not think about those types of things that internet service may not be available for everyone. Not everyone has an iPad or a computer at home that they can do online school. And so I think that you guys have hit it on the head that that's really made a change, maybe even a pivot for us of how we can best help. Food is always something we want to make sure we're doing uh, and shelter, but the technology and the way we educate our younger generations has really changed in what, four months? And I don't think any of us were quite ready to see that happen. Yeah, and I think when you're talking with your partners, what are they asking for? What is, what is, you know, the hot spots are good and the food's good, but how are they feeling? Where is their weariness? How can we support those people who are trying to support those who are most needed? Because that's really where it is, let's be honest. I would imagine just the impact on their nonprofit or their things are doing, how do we help them stay focused help them. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense, Courtney? Absolutely, and that's been a
3: conversation that I've actually had with um, some other groups of of funders here in the Houston community talking about all of our community partners is how do Mm -hmm. we those that are on the front lines, those those first responders, because we have to remember that yes, we're all going through this pandemic and they are on the front lines helping, just like our essential, you know, the banks are essential as well. And so we between our partners that are there passing out food and helping, passing out these checks and doing whatever they can for our folks, they still have a lot of things they're going through personally through this pandemic. And so it's important to when I'm calling and speaking to them just to have genuine conversation and asking about how they're doing because self-care at this time is so important for our own community partners as well. A lot of them have been worried. I have been hearing as far as from the CEO level about their staff to make sure that their staff is good mental, I guess, capacity to be doing the, the work that they're doing as well. It, yes. It's affecting everyone on all fronts. I'm doing my best to make sure that I'm doing check-ins with partners on a consistent basis, asking them of different things that they may need and making sure that resources and money or connections, other organizations that may be, be able to assist them in dollars and things of that nature that they
0: can get, you know, as well. Yeah. Collaboration is essential right now for us. Yep. No, I think that's a good point, and I, I appreciate that. I think that's just something we sometimes take for granted. Is those people who are helping the the people who need it the most they are having they're having the same issues anybody else are, and you know they may have a family member that is at risk too. So thanks for saying that. We're gonna take a break in just a few minutes and come back and talk about what donations we have made and how that's impacted our teams.
2: If you or a loved one has experienced domestic abuse or been sexually assaulted, help is available at the Houston Area Women's Center. Visit HAWC.org for more info. The Houston Area Women's Center, ending domestic and sexual violence for all.
0: go ahead and talk a bit about what the bank has done and with your input, how we distribute funds to help those in most need. And listen, there's never enough. And I'm thankful that a lot of corporations are giving. I'd like to know from you, Melanie, how we decided on what partners uh, we were going to give our funds to this past spring when we gave out over $400,000.
4: Yeah, that's a great question and really eye-opening because I called some of the ones that we partner with on a regular basis. And what I was mm-hmm. running into is they were just asking for basic needs like paper towel and hand sanitizer and that. And I'm thinking, you know, that that's great, but it you know it doesn't really take care of the overall need because there were a lot of organizations that were just flat out overwhelmed. Some of the organizations that we partner with, they're a big umbrella for a lot of smaller right. organizations. They were worried about holding it together, and so that for those type of needs, you know, that's where our PPP program really. really. kicked in to take care of kind of those operating expenses. Whereas we, in our markets, we were able to really focus on getting the best um, resources to those organizations and really measuring. So we, between myself and the business development officers in, you know, Dallas and Fort Worth, I reached out to them and said, hey, do you know of any needs? And then I reached out to some also on my own. And then we just kind of prioritized them and provided the list management said, this is what we recommend, we believe right. these dollars, and again, it was really to a lot of the, to the same, you know, education, shelter, food, and crisis, and that, and then, you know, really, the volunteer piece is really kind of lagging, we're, we're just now kind of addressing that, and, right. and a lot of DFW's functions are in the fall, so we'll look at how we can do some of that virtually. Yes, thank you. Courtney, can you
0: tell us a little bit about what specific charities, nonprofits, we donated to, and Houston and what your thought process was around Houston because to your point Houston has usually it's hurricane Mm -hmm. issues it's a little bit different how did you come up with the decisions and who we donated to in the Houston area really it just
3: working and talking to a lot of different funders and a lot of different nonprofit organizations I got on the phone and just started saying what's going on how is it going for you you know and they were some were closing their doors some were trying to figure out how do we work from home how do we how do we do this in a pandemic I ended up seeing one of of the things was like we talked about earlier with technology, and those are or, there's an organization here, in Houston, right? CopyDot, which they all focused on providing computers to disadvantaged students. That's what their purpose of their organization has been. So, once we uh, went into this pandemic, their efforts ramped up, I mean, tremendously. And so, we were able to uh, provide donation for them so we could help a variety of students throughout our greater Houston area. In addition to that, I saw the statistics around domestic violence increasing tremendously. Just because of the pandemic and being home, many folks are now at home with their abusers. Children are at home and the numbers were out of this world. And Mm -hmm. so we were able to partner with the Houston Area Women's Center and provide them with a donation so they can ensure that not only can they keep their shelter going and functioning, but they can also increase their space. And so more recently I spoke with them um, about last week and they said that they were able to open another shelter to house some more women and children as well. Wow. So I thought that was absolutely dynamic because the numbers are still rising, which is of course unfortunate. And others, you know, of course, like Melanie said earlier, food, kind of those basic needs, of course, we're seeing lines. I mean, I've seen lines wrap around NRG Stadium here down the freeway, I mean, it was absolutely breathtaking just to yeah. see all the people that were here that are in need of so many different things. Another great organization we partnered with was Kids Meals, which I absolutely love and adore them. Yeah. What they do is they're basically like a Meals on Wheels program, but for kids. Right. And so they, for years, have been taking lunches, volunteers prepare lunches and things of that nature. And they put them in brown paper bags and they decorate the bags and put little inspirational notes in the bags for kids. And they take them around to some of the lower economic neighborhood. Their numbers, once schools shut down, oh we... Yeah transformed and went up. So they were in dire need of additional support as well. And I literally, before we shut down, I had just had a meeting with them <laughs> probably about the week before. So it was just like, oh my gosh, we can we can do something for you guys as well. So I'm so proud of some of the, the work and the organizations that we've been able to partner with because it's been amazing. It's absolutely been amazing for how we were able to do it in the, the amount of time we were able to
0: do it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things that I was most impressed with from the both of you and the people that you work with is that when we came out and said, hey, listen, we want to donate $400,000 right now to our communities. And we went to you guys and you guys said, hey, look, this is where we think the biggest need is. And I'm extremely proud of the bank for reacting the way they did and giving the money out. There's never enough. But I love the way you guys approached the basic needs of food, shelter, domestic abuse, and technology for those kids that, you know, none of us could have seen this happening and our ongoing support of that. So I just want to thank the both of you for that, because listen, you are two strong people out in our communities, really seeing what the need is in our communities. And that's part of who we are as a bank. It's Veritex Community Bank. And if we don't take care of our communities, then who are we other than just another company that works and takes advantage, right? So thank both of you for all your hard work. Thank you for allowing the bank to help others and showing us a way to do that. The impact that your service makes on those companies and those nonprofits, you can't match that. So thank you very much for all your hard work. Keep it up. Let us know how we can do more. Let us know how there's changing things because we all know it's changing every day. Like I said, who knew this was going to happen? But thank both of you. Really hard work. I'm, I'm very appreciative and very proud to work with two of you so much. Thank you. Thank you, LaVonda. Appreciate that.